I'm Richard Brown, Chairman and CEO of JMBA Financial Advisors in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome to our discussion being recorded on April 14, 2021. When it comes to the markets, what a difference a year makes. The first quarter of 2021, thankfully, cannot compare to 2020. Today, we'll recap some of the key market and economic events of the first quarter that may or may not be indicators of what lies ahead for investors. Joining me for this conversation are three senior members of our investment committee. Michael Bellata and John Foster, both senior advisors and investment strategists, along with David Webb, JMBA's Director of Investment Management. Welcome, Mike, John, and David. Thanks for joining me. Happy to be here, Richard. Yeah, good morning. Thanks, Richard. David, despite a holiday surge in COVID cases and election-related turmoil in early 2021, the first quarter turned out to be a pretty good one for diversified investors. Are you surprised? Not, not really. You know, the JMBA Investment Committee had become quite constructive on equities uh, late last year. And, um, and, and, you know, we have seen a pickup in uh, vaccine distribution, uh, a pretty large acceleration, in fact. And we've also seen fiscal stimulus uh, be a little bit larger than what the market anticipated. And so uh, we're, we're not entirely su- surprised. Um, I, I guess, you know, there's a couple of key concepts that are probably worth noting. Uh, you know, the Fed last year decided that they would move to a new regime, and it's called average inflation targeting. And what it really means is that the Fed is willing to let inflation run a little bit hotter than it would otherwise normally be. And and the Fed, just for instance, normally wants a 2% inflation rate in the economy. And so what this means is, you know, the, the economy will not um, probably the, the recovery that we're seeing right now will not be snuffed out early by the Fed trying to proactively react to inflation uh, rising. And so what this means is we'll probably see a longer lasting economic recovery and the economy will grow a little bit faster. And, and as such, you know, cash flows will be a little bit larger. And because asset prices follow cash flows, you know, this sort of supports the market. And um, this is something that I think the market is now fully starting to understand. Although there's a few folks out there that still think, you know, the Fed might lose, lose their nerve and, and raise interest rates a little bit early. The other related point would just be probably that fiscal stimulus and monetary stimulus are now aligned in a way that many of us have not seen throughout our careers. And so this also supports the fact that, you know, we think that this economic recovery can be a a little bit longer lasting, all else being equal than we would normally see. Uh, So those two things give us encouragement that, that that the economy will be strong this year and earnings estimates currently reflect that and analysts are still playing catch up and all that is uh, very conducive to rising asset prices. Thanks, David, for that perspective. John, given the recent rise in stock prices, we just witnessed on the top of a strong 2020. It sort of feels like stocks are priced for a best case scenario, doesn't it? Yeah, we certainly think, Richard, there's pockets of the market that are showing, you know, maybe a little bit of excessive optimism or overvaluation. And a little bit similar to 99, 2000 timeframe when technology became, you know, almost half of the S&P 500, we're seeing a lot of speculation again in the technology area. 
And a little bit too like 99 when a lot of that was driven by online trading. You know, some of the new trading apps like Robinhood, a lot of the investors are really concentrated in that technology area. But where we're finding a lot of uh, value still is actually in dividend paying stocks and things outside the technology realm where valuations are still pretty average. Uh, so we think, you know, maybe people chasing technology might be a little bit disappointed with, with returns moving forward. Uh, but the rest of the market valuations look, you know, fairly reasonable and should be able to provide decent returns. Thanks, John. Mike, as we look ahead to the remainder of 2021, with the markets currently priced for a strong recovery, what could go wrong? Well, you asked the right person on that one, as I tend to be an individual that always thinks about the things that could go wrong, whether it be here in, uh, in my profession in the investment markets or my side job as a youth athletics coach for my two boys, I'm always thinking about what could go wrong. But a couple of things is just as we sit here calendar wise, flipping from April to May, we enter that seasonally, typically seasonally week period from May through October where if you're going to get some pullbacks or corrections during the year, they often happen in that May through October timeframe. And there's a variety of reasons for that. But And it doesn't hold true every single year, but that's one kind of headwind that the market may face just from a seasonal perspective. The second, obviously, is the one that everybody knows about, and that's the progression or lack thereof of the vaccine program and our ability to get COVID under control Is the economy uh, ability to open up jeopardized by, for example, Johnson & Johnson's postponement of some of their vaccine programs or other things along the way? Because clearly, as we mentioned just a little bit earlier in this conversation, stocks seem to be priced for perfection almost. And so if the economy doesn't live up to the potential that the market is currently pricing in, there appears to be possibly a little bit of an air pocket Uh, below stock prices, and we could correct downward uh, based on that. Uh, Higher interest rates are also one of the bigger issues. Uh, Stock investors got a little bit nervous a couple of weeks ago there when the 10-year U.S. government bond broke through 1.5%, went all the way up to 1.7%. You know, higher interest rates aren't a problem in and of themselves if they're higher for the right reason meaning that investors are anticipating higher economic growth in the future. But if they're going higher because inflation is becoming a problem, that's when you might start to see some uh, some headwinds for stocks as well. So a couple of reasons there that, uh, you know, things could encounter a little bit of an obstacle going forward. And then, as always, the catch all is the unexpected. Right. The market can often price for things that it knows are out there, but it's the unexpected uh, curveballs that get thrown at it that typically uh, create the most disruption. So we'll see if any of those happen during the course of the remainder of 2021 as well. Yeah, I'd, I'd add too. I think Richard, you, you know, in kind of the uh, last time around when the Fed was really accommodative, 2008, 2009, they created a lot of money out of thin air, but they basically gave that money to banks to fill holes on balance sheets. And you know, this time around. We've created a lot of fiscal and monetary stimulus, but we've actually given it to consumers. And so we've seen inflation start to pick up. And to Mike's point, you know, perhaps all the stimulus going to consumers with more money chasing the same amount of goods and services 
maybe inflation does creep up higher than the Fed would like to see. And, and to David's earlier point, they have to raise rates, you know, before the Fed would want to. So, it, you know, I think if there's if there's something that we really have an eye on, it's inflation getting out of control, causing interest rates to rise quicker, which might derail this a little bit. It's a little bit of a catch-22. You know, if you do have this uh, infrastructure package passed, which is currently um, uh, being, being hammered out in Congress, you know, that, that would obviously juice growth a bit more in the economy as well and maybe make it more likely that we would see those rates go high. But of course, that would be good for a number of different uh, sectors in the economy and for our labor force to get back to full employment. Um, so, the, you know, there's no, there's no free lunch here. There are trade-offs. Um, we just want to make sure that, uh, that things are uh, evenly balanced and we're not trying to grow the economy too fast relative to how fast supply can come back. And that's really one of the other key areas that we're watching at the moment. You know, basically considering all the factors in constructing a portfolio and from a strategic perspective, is it really matters too from a relative standpoint when we're looking at how much do we want to allocate in stocks or bonds or alternative asset classes like real estate, commodities, precious metals, is not only what is that asset class priced to do in a vacuum, it can also come down to how is that asset class positioned relative to other opportunities where people want to put their money. So is cash providing a rate of return? No. Are bonds providing a rate of return? Not much. And if interest rates go up, bonds are going to struggle a little bit. You know, real estate might be a little overheated right now. So then you ultimately, as you kind of go through the checklist of asset classes, come back to to stocks. And so everybody's kind of playing that game right now of stocks seem to be uh, we're back to that the best game in town scenario and waiting to see if the economy can hold up its end of the bargain uh, and staying overweight equities for the time being at the expense of some other asset classes, which certainly makes sense in this environment. All really great points. Thank you, Mike, David, and John for the conversation today. With this team and the rest of our investment committee, the research we utilize and our disciplined review of our clients' portfolios every 10 business days, we feel prepared for whatever lies ahead. Thank you very much for listening. We hope that you will visit jmba.com and tune into our other video podcast. And thank you. Thank you for your continued trust in JMBA, not just as your financial advisor, but also your advocate. Please reach out if you need anything at all. You can find our contact information at jmba.com. Important disclosure information. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Therefore, it should not be assumed that future performance of any specific investment or investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or undertaken by JMBA financial advisors or any non-investment related content made reference to directly or indirectly in the podcast, will be profitable, equal any historical performance levels, be suitable for your portfolio or individual situation, or prove successful. JMBA is neither a law firm nor a certified public accounting firm, and no portion of its services should be construed as legal or accounting advice. Moreover, you should not assume that any discussion or information contained in this podcast serves as a receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from JMBA. Please remember that it remains your responsibility to advise JMBA in writing if there are any changes to your personal 
financial situation or investment objectives for the purpose of reviewing, evaluating, revising our previous recommendations and or services, or if you would like to impose, add, or to modify any reasonable restrictions to your investment advisory services. A copy of our current written disclosure brochure discussing our advisory services and fees is available upon request. The scope of the services to be provided depends upon the needs of the client and the terms of engagement. Please see important disclosure information at www.jmda.com backslash disclosure.